Ready? Hi. Oh, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. Hi, I'm Chris Craft, and I'm a career queer. This week for our Q&A portion, I am joined by the wonderful and delicious and smart Cody. Oh, I love delicious. <laughs> yeah, that's a great intro. I'm glad I thought through this. So Cody is a very good friend of mine who I respect a lot and who is just very different for me in terms of life experiences and thoughts, but I think that both of us have a strong passion for community and community involvement, and that is why we've been friends for so long. Cody is an abortion doula, fat liberationist, and burlesque dancer who is happiest when surrounded by community and good music. They've spent the last few years as a values-based organizer and fundraiser for political candidates and nonprofits, including NARAL Pro-Choice Minnesota, Mayor Melvin Carter of St. Paul, Representative Ilhan Omar, and Greater Twin Cities United Way. Cody, I'm so glad that you were willing to answer these listener questions with me. I'm so excited to be here. You know, I'm an advice junkie. I love advice columns. I read them religiously. (laughs) Yeah. um, So the reason why I wanted to include an advice portion to this podcast format is because I also really like advice podcasts, but not only because I love like the weird juicy details that come across. Love it. But I also enjoy listening to them to use them as a template for how you should be thinking about things or how I would want to react in different situations. In therapy, I think this is called like future templating or something like that. I love that. So that's why I included this. And I'm glad that you'll be here answering some with me. Me too. Let's do it. Would you be willing to read our first question? I would. Be honored. I am a cis woman in her early 30s, and I'm a mid-level chemist for a small glue company. I studied chemistry in college, and I thought I was lucky to land a job in my field without a graduate degree. However, over the last couple of years, I've been feeling stuck. I don't feel like my work matters, and I don't think there is a clear path to continue to progress at this company. The animal shelter that I spend a lot of time volunteering at had one of their staff quit recently, and I'm thinking that I wouldn't mind quitting my job to work at the shelter. The director has said she thought I would be a great fit and encouraged me to apply. However, I'd be making significantly less in this role than my current job. Financially, I think I could swing it with my wife's help and with some lifestyle adjustments, which honestly, I only need lunches out, coffees, and expensive gym membership because they help me cope with my current role. What do you think? Um, so it sounds like this person to me... I love that they're saying that they work for a glue company and they're feeling stuck. I think Uh, it's like an unintentional pun. But yeah, if you're not feeling inspired by your work, I think I would encourage you to take some time to think about why are you not feeling inspired now versus why were you inspired earlier? And then I would think about what inspires you about your work at this animal shelter And why do you think you want to take a role there? I would also try to frame this as a conversation with yourself about, are you running towards something, a new future with new possibilities, with a new drive and passion? 
Or are you running away from something? Are you running away from your job and you're just grappling at the first opportunity that came to you? Um, but I can't say that I've ever taken a role like this. Um, so Cody, what would you tell this person? Um, I think that they brought up a really interesting point, which is that they only need lunches out, coffees, and expensive gym memberships because they help them cope with their current role. Um, and one of my friends who used to work at a Fortune 500 company, really popular, but also it was really tough to work there, is she said she didn't realize that all of the perks were only perks because they helped her be less unhappy at work. And when she stopped working there and went somewhere that aligned more with her values and what she wanted to do, she didn't need those outlets anymore. Um, I think that something to consider is also you love volunteering at this shelter, but do you think that you're going to love working there? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of us really enjoy helping a few hours here and there at places that we feel passionate about, but it can really suck out your passion once that becomes your day job. Yeah. Um, so I would think about like, what does this job entail? What would your day to day look like? Probably wouldn't be the same as your volunteer experience now. Um, and I'm a believer in, uh, there's no reason that you can't interview for this position and decide not to take it. Or you can ask for an informal coffee with the person who recommended you and say, like, I'm really interested in this position. I have a few more questions about what working here would actually look like. Would you mind, like, telling me more about the role before I pursue an interview process? I want to be really mindful of your time and also of my time. So if this isn't a good fit, I don't want to take up any resources um, by vetting me as a candidate. Yeah. Um, I think this goes back into a decision valuation model that was recently brought up into my life again, where you have to split your values into three buckets. One is professional. What are your values professionally? What drives you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Personal, which is what appeals to you as a person. And then family. So, and while those buckets can share values, they are still three distinct buckets. So like for me, professionally, I want to be solving problems. And I like to think about how to help companies or even, you know, I don't even want to go that narrow. I think it's just really like, I like to solve problems. And then I think personally, I want to work for a company that does social good. It doesn't have to be for social good, but I want there to be a social good outlet. So whether that's a really robust volunteer program, whether that's a really robust foundation where they give money, I want that company or that firm to be involved with their community. And I think family-wise, it's important for me to be able to live in a city where my partner can have work, um, and it's important for me to live in a major city that I can feel part of that community as well. So like community is that tying factor across all of those things, but they all show up in different ways. And I have to think about how does my future job fit into those buckets? So, so that's where, where I started from, right? What about working in chemistry? What about working at this company used to appeal to you? And kind of lay it out in those buckets again and think about, okay, personally, what's really important to me is 
doing work that matters. Because I think that they're saying, I don't feel like my work matters and I don't think there's a clear path to, to continue to progress. So maybe that's also professionally. You want work that matters and you also want there to be a clear path to promotion, to working on different projects. You want to feel like you can explore a lot of different options within a short, short amount of time. Okay, how do we think about that? I think that that focus on community is really important. I think it's also like, this is a big shift. But that's like my value. So they have to think about, is community really important to them or is it animals, you know? Right, what what are they looking for? Especially, yeah, because this is a big shift to go from uh, working at a small glue company to working at an animal shelter. Um, and my guess is people who work at animal shelters aren't making nearly as much as chemists do working at glue companies, which they do mention. Um, but I think one of the things that's been helpful for me when I'm making decisions about different jobs is thinking about like, what do I enjoy doing? Um, in addition to like, what's going to pay my bills? Um, and do I feel like this has a good balance of like what I want to do more of in my professional career? Um, or like you said, am I leaving this job because I hate it and I would rather do anything else? And it's okay if that's the case, but if that's the case, be honest with yourself and know that this might be like a stopgap job while you're looking for something else in chemistry. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think you mentioned that- Or something that takes advantage of other skills they may have, Mm because maybe they also have project management skills. Maybe, you know, something that they've been doing at the animal shelter is- I don't know, fundraising. And they want to make a more of a go of that and like doing fundraising for this animal shelter. But how can you scale that so that you can live? Absolutely. And, you know, have a conversation with your wife. It sounds like you know that you could probably do this together. But does she um, think that this would be a good move for you that you as a couple could do and that she's willing to support? Or do you think this would put a strain on your relationship? Um, So like when I made a big jump from corporate marketing to fundraising and canvassing my partner at the time even though it meant that I'd be making less money was very supportive because he saw how miserable working in marketing was making me right and so even though it meant we were going to have to cut back a lot in our finances he knew that like our lives together overall were going to be of better quality and we were going to be happier together and that felt worth taking the cut in money yeah it's almost that simpler life that ends up making you more happy. Yeah, I think one focused with your values and what you care about, and in addition to paying your bills. So say after they do all that self-reflecting and they really feel like making this leap into the animal shelter job is the right fit, um, what would you say to them as next steps that they need to take to help make that transition? Um, first of all, I'd say congratulations. This is a big transition. How exciting for you. Um, and then I'm a big fan of getting to know people and people who are doing similar jobs and people that are going to be at your workplace. So like one-on-one, the people who you're going to be working closely with, if there's another animal shelter in your area and a position that's, uh, similar to yours at a different shelter, ask if you can meet up with that person for coffee and see what their day-to-day is like. Because you're going to be learning a brand new position, which is so exciting, and it's going to feel a lot better if you have people who are supporting you along the way. Yeah. And so to get people to kind of be on that journey with you, is there anything that you would do to help bring people and make them feel invested in that journey? 
rather than like they're doing some sort of big favor for you? Um, I am a big proponent of, I think people want to help people as long as you ask. Like I, I know that I really like meeting up with people. I like feeling invested in them. And, um, if you can make it as easy as possible on them, uh, I think that's the best way to go. So like being proactive in setting up a time, responding quickly with your schedule, offering to buy them coffee, going somewhere near their workplace or near their home so that it's really easy for them to meet up with you. And I always keep it to an hour max. Even if I feel like we could talk for five hours, I ended at an hour. And the reason is because I want to be respectful of their time. And also because I want us to leave on a high note because there's going to be opportunities for us to connect again in the future if we feel like this was a conversation we want to keep having. Um, and then Leave them me, wanting more. Leave them wanting more. And then uh, the other thing is you can say thank you once, but if you profusely thank people, you are then giving, giving them the impression that they're doing you a large favor and otherwise it may not feel that way to them. So... I limit, I do the same when I'm late to something, is you know when someone's late and they apologize 20 million times, uh, it disrupts the meeting, it disrupts what you're doing, and it it draws more attention to the issue. Mm -hmm. Instead, like, go in, apologize once, and don't bring it up again. Yeah. And same with meeting for me with coffee is if I don't want you to feel like it's a big hassle, it doesn't need to be. Um, And so I'll thank you once, I'll buy your coffee, I'll send you a thank you letter and a follow-up note. But I'm not going to um, be like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much for your time. This is incredible. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because that actually puts the burden on them to constantly say, that's okay. Happy to be here. Totally fine. And it creates an added pressure Mm -hmm. um, when it can be as simple as I'll meet you two blocks from your workplace. It'll be an hour tops. We're going to have a lovely conversation. (laughs) And you're going to feel like you invested in someone who um, shares your values and who also wants to see animals doing better. Yeah. Um, I think that also overthinking somebody can kind of make them feel like they're being put on a pedestal. And most people, if they're not egomaniacs, are uncomfortable with that sort of position because people are just like, I put on my pants one leg at a time. Mm -hmm. It's also, it's a fundraising uh, foundational skill called assuming support. So we don't overthink donors and we don't um, make it seem like we expected them to say no. Because if you thank them and you're respectful, but you make it clear that like giving money is not a big deal because you assume they're going to support you, then giving feels more normalized. But if you thank someone 20 times, suddenly they start thinking, wow, does no one ever give to you? Are you like really this desperate for money if you are like are you going to be managing my funds well Uh and like do I want to give again to people who don't seem to be uh confident enough in their mission to know that I want to be involved Uh wow that's really insightful (laughs) and now I'm just thinking about all the causes that I like have donated to and I'm just like oh man I'm part of the machine. I'm I'm getting taken advantage of. (laughs) Yeah, it's like an interesting balance to strike because you always want to say thank you, but you never want to make it seem like getting involved is an unusual thing. Yeah. And then I would think about as you get settled into your new role, think about what this job will open up in terms of long-term opportunities and think about where do you want to go from here? Is this just a stopgap job, which is totally fine? 
what is what because like you're in your early 30s you have a good 30 plus years of working life so what do you want to be doing after this um and really the sky's open but you got to think about how to there's a chart in the book i don't remember if it's like what color is your parachute or what it's a book like that but i there they use a four a two by two uh square so it has four sectors and they talk about how if you want to so if you think about the four square cube being numbered one two three four in a circle so the four is underneath the one moving from square one to three is really hard let's well let's use you for example um let's use your career right let's do it (laughs) um so uh you currently work as a canvasser for NARAL and you want that's your box number one and you want to move into box number three which is being like the captain of fundraising at a major nonprofit. And captain director it's the yeah, same thing yeah <laughs> well it was just like i don't know exactly what your title is but we'll just call it like big big fundraiser where you're bringing you're talking to big donors you're figuring out what to do with a lot of money So Cody's career is a really good example of moving to box number four, which maybe is fundraising for a political campaign. Cody moved from box number one, which is NARAL fundraising, and moved into box number two, which is fundraising for a political campaign. So what they did was they upped the amount of dollars that they're fundraising for while still maintaining that cycle of doing political motivated campaigning because i think narol while being pro-choice it's still very much within that political realm yeah so then moving into box number three they used all that fundraising experience from both one and four and now they like are moving into working on nonprofit, which takes the other aspect from those two jobs which is values based so then it doesn't seem as harsh of a transition as maybe what you're doing here because what you're doing here is you're moving from box one to three with no sort of transition skill set so now that you have a new box one what are options two and four so that you can think of how to get to your next three mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah that makes sense okay yeah <laughs> it was a very long and drawn out thing that i think covered like half a page in that book but it really resonated with you and that's great uh, i think to like summarize or tldr (laughs) having transitional skills can make a big change feel easier Mm -hmm. um you're making a big jump from somewhere that you don't have as many overlapping skills with and so how can you make that transition without those transitional skills um feel less scary and feel more doable yes great crush it (laughs) thank you for summarizing (laughs) that okay do you have anything else that you want this letter writer to know I spoke a little bit about this previously in this episode, and I would say uh, trust your intuition. <laughs> like, feel into it. If you're really miserable at this job and you you know in your bones that this is, like, your dream job and you can make it work, that's awesome. Um, but I think it's similar to what we said previously, which is make sure that this is something that you want to do and you're not just really miserable in your job now. And making a quick change to something that you're going to be equally miserable at. Right. Yeah. Because then you took all that risk 
for very little reward. So if it doesn't work out, then think about what does that next step look like. And hopefully by then you'll have more information about what you're actually looking for that'll help inform what that next step is. Mm -hmm. And what's great about having experiences is no one can take them away from you. Okay, so I will read our second letter. The last few months have been rough. I thought I had it all. My own apartment, a job I actually enjoyed going to every day, and making steps towards paying off what's left of my student loans. However, my job was working at a small restaurant as a bartender, and I was laid off due to COVID-19. I thought I'd be back within a few weeks, but after three months, management reached out to let us know that our place would not be opening its doors ever again. So here I am, unemployed for the first time in my life, trying to figure out what my next steps need to be. The places that are open aren't hiring, and I feel so lost. Help. This is so, this is such a tough question um, because it is such a bleak landscape for people looking for jobs or unemployment is so high. Um, my first suggestion would be to triage this. Um, so my mom used to always say this is she's like, focus on the foundational problems first, um, which is you don't have any source of income now. Mm -hmm. Um, and you have an apartment, you have, you have bills to pay. Uh, so how can you make sure that you're going to have housing in a couple months? And even if you have savings enough for this month and next, being aware that you might not have a job for quite a while. So where could you live that would be lower rent? How much would it cost if you had to break your lease? Can you um, pause student loan payments? Can you work with that company? So I would triage it in so much as if I'm going to be unemployed for hypothetically six more months, how can I make that work? And then I would go from there because it sounds like you've already looked around and places aren't hiring. And so you might need to settle in for what's going to be a really tough financial stretch. Um, so ask your friends for support, ask your family for support, maybe move home for a little bit and see how you can make that work first before focusing on like, what can you do to find a job four months from now? Mm -hmm. Because you need to make sure you're going to have housing while yeah. looking for that job in four months. Yeah. It's, it's the same conversation that I feel like I have whenever people are going through the process of figuring out if they should rent or buy. And the whole argument of, is it better to buy or rent? I'm personally of the opinion that renting actually is the better option for a vast majority of people. And that I think home ownership can be kind of a scam that we fall into. And people's main argument is, well, you already have to pay to rent. And wouldn't it be better to be putting it into a piece of property that you, you know, earn interest on or, you know, you're the property ends up paying out in the end. And I always say, yeah, that works great in a hypothetical sense. But if you think about it, you're always going to have to pay for somewhere that you live. And with renting, you at least know what that payment is going to be every month, even if something goes wrong. So you can always budget around it versus homeownership. When things go wrong, like your water heater breaks or your <laughs> furnace breaks or when your laundry machine breaks, you have to pay for that. So all of a sudden, what started out as a $1,000 a month mortgage or a $1,600 a month mortgage has now ballooned into a $1,600 mortgage. Oh, but taxes went up, so let's add another $150 a month. Oh, that, now we have the $200 a month washer and dryer bill, plus $100 a month we need 
to pay on the furnace and it goes up and up and up so much like that is so stressful <laughs> yeah like so i think that um so i think that renting can be a great option what was the analogy i was drawing here <laughs> i don't know um oh that you always have to pay for what you like you, you always need to pay for living because you always need a roof over your head so i definitely agree with you on like how can you decrease the amount that you have to pay to like live with a roof over your head you might also, I mean, people in New York do this. Maybe it's time that you think about this too. But if you can't break your lease or if like you think you got a really good situation, see if you can get someone to move in with you. That's also an option. Um, I know that when Cody lived with me in that first apartment that I had, even though Cody jokes about how little like rent they had to pay, it was actually nice for me to kind of spread out those costs of living there. Um, with another person, even though it was a small amount. Yeah, and eventually we ended up splitting 50-50, which was nice. But I remember you saying that even because the apartment at the time was a stretch for you. Yeah. And so even having a little cushion was helpful. Yeah. So thinking about it in that way as well, how can you basically reduce your costs as much as possible? I think step two, after you figure out what all those cost situations are going to be, I think I would highly suggest doing what Cody did drain their time of unemployment, which was networking, even though like networking maybe isn't like the sexy right term, but <laughs> figure out who you can reach out to in your community to figure out what that next right job looks like. Because even drain this time of financial insecurity, I mean, there are jobs some people somewhere somebody somewhere is hiring restaurants will be opening up yeah and i think um i know the restaurant industry is really close-knit mm -hmm. so i would talk to your friends places that you know might be opening up soon and just letting them know that you're looking for work so that when they do have an opening they'll contact you first even if they mm -hmm. don't have something right now right i mean and this might be a good time to do some self-reflection -reflec on what is that two by two chart look like. I think that we have another friend who's going through this journey right now where COVID erased their job and they're thinking about, okay, so what is next? Because it doesn't seem like the place where they had been working is opening up as fast as other places. So what do they need to do to make money again? Mm -hmm. But I'm really sorry that you're going through this and I have big hearts and big hugs out to you as a person and I hope that anyone who's dealing with the situation is able to get through it but this is a really tough situation for a lot of people yeah it's really really tough we're sorry you're going through that yeah so what was something that before you were unemployed like what do you wish you would have known about that time and or Looking back, what do you think worked really well for you during that time? Um, I think I wish I'd known. I could have told myself, like, buckle in. <laughs> You're going to be unemployed for a minute. Because in the past when I'd been unemployed after a campaign, I, I was unemployed for maybe two weeks. Yeah. Um, Because people were hiring so quickly. And this time I was making a transition from campaign work to nonprofits. And so it took me a little bit longer to, um, like, market my skill set somewhere new. 
So I think I would have told myself to buckle up and do exactly what I told you to do right now, which is how can you reduce your cost of living as much as possible so that you can make these six months sustainable um, or at least know that you can pay your bills from month to month. Um, the other thing I would have told myself is to network and follow through on networking <laughs> and to also focus on, I think we oftentimes tell people to network as if like you can speak to anyone, but mm. if you are intentional about who you're speaking to, you can have fewer conversations that are more productive. Mm. So being mindful of I have this friend, they're not a manager, but I know that their place is going to be opening up within the next few months. So maybe I should prioritize speaking with them because we've had a good working relationship in the past. Right. Um, so being intentional, being mindful, and then triaging your needs because you can't do anything if you can't pay your bills. Like that is, that's so much stress to just focus on surviving. So did you ever take on any like gig economy work when you were um, unemployed? Yeah, I did. Um, I was a consultant for a few local campaigns. And then what else did I do? I mean, towards the end of it, I was applying for barista ships. And then I, I did a lot of freelance writing when I was fresh out of college. And so I took on some articles that I wrote. Basically, I did a bunch of little things to try and make an income. And none of it was super linear. And all of it was like, I wrote an article here and there. I did a few consulting things. Um, I did a telemarketing thing for two weeks. Like a lot of stopgap jobs, I really took what I could get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oof. Oof. Good luck. Good luck. We feel for you. Okay. I think that's it for listener questions. I only have two because I try to keep these segments shorter. Cody, thank you so much. Would you say that you're a career queer? I would say I'm a career queer. Why are you laughing? Because <laughs> it's cheesy? Because it's so cheesy and I love it. <laughs> you got to lean into the cheese. My last name is Kraft. It's true. <laughs> Do you have anything that you want to plug or support or make sure that our listeners know? Um, you can feel free to check out my burlesque Instagram uh, at anita.top with two P's. <laughs> um, apart from that, I would highly encourage everyone out there who has disposable income to give to some mutual aid funds going around right now. I love it. Not um, not the second letter writer, but somebody who maybe is more comfortable so they can help out someone like the letter writer yes absolutely maybe that glue guy and his wife they decide to keep their high paying jobs this woman you're right you're right when you write you're right (laughs) (laughs) they can give to some mutual aid funds (laughs) that's awesome okay if you would like to ask me a question, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at the Career Queer. You can also email me at thecareerqueer at gmail.com. If you want to get in touch with our guest this week, Cody, you can also send an email to the inbox and I will help connect you. The podcast cover art was done by Tara Craft Art. You can find her and all of her amazing work on Instagram at Tara Craft Art. Thank you. And until next time, keep navigating those rainbow waters, folks. I'll see you next week. Are you just dying? It's so cute.